Hi everyone and welcome to The Herd. I'm your host Tamika Spalding and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. Our story is important and this podcast is dedicated to sharing inspiring stories like yours and mine to uplift and encourage as we grow in faith together. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to our third episode. Can't believe we're already at the uh, third episode in and we're pretty close to Christmas, only a couple of days away. And um, yeah, I thought I'd share a little story. I had a Advent calendar given to me um, and our family this year, which was a real surprise. And it wasn't your typical Advent calendar where you just have that little um, sheet where you open the little flaps and you get a piece of chocolate every day. Um, A friend of mine brought over a huge basket and... Uh, There's six of us in the family. I've got my four children and my husband and myself and we have also our dog. And she brought over this huge basket and every single morning since the 1st of December uh, we've been opening these little gifts and all of us, including our dog, uh, get these little treats. So this morning we had some uh, Christmas CDs that we could listen to on the way to school. Um, We've had all sorts of fun little things um, that the kids have really enjoyed. And so if you ever want to get creative with something a little bit different, then, um, yeah, having an advent calendar where you can open up little things like that every day is something real fun. Now, as you know, our program is all about, um, you know, sharing real stories and getting to know um, people and their, their, their stories where they've been uh, changed by God in some way or their faith has um, been strengthened. Um, I like real stories and, yeah, we have one of those coming up uh, very soon. And so today I have a friend. Her name's Donna and I've brought her along. Uh, She, well, I met her actually through her son, first of all, her son Chad. Everyone knows Chad. Uh, He, uh, I used to be in youth ministry and worked with him in Hobart and, yeah, then... Uh, Chad's mum became a friend of mine and I finally got to meet her named Donna and she also is now working in children and youth ministry. She's, you know, fantastic. She's creative. She's enthusiastic and she loves to get into a costume every now and then when she uh, leads a, a program. So, yeah, she's just um, fun to have around. So, Donna, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for coming and joining us. Now, our listeners probably wouldn't know too much about you, so tell us um, a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name's Donna. Um, I was born in a little island close to America, like three hours away from America, called Barbados. And I studied psychology for my bachelor's. I wanted to go on to do a master's in clinical psychology. And my supervisor was actually from England. And when I was going to apply, because I needed to get a reference from him, he said to me, the best programs are in England, Australia and New Zealand. Um, England might have been a bit... I had friends going there and it wasn't as easy. Then there was a scholarship going for New Zealand, which I tried out for and didn't get. And then I was encouraged, since you're going to go all the way over to New Zealand, why not try Australia? And I did, and I got in. And I came over in 2005 for two years to do my master's. I completed my master's, and I really fell in love with my church family. And so here I am 17 years later. 
and I'm working as a psychologist now. Wow, that's um, yeah, that's great. So I suppose there'd be a lot of uh, difference between Barbados and Australia. What uh, what did you find was the most different in living in the two areas? Well, for starters, when I was googling Tasmania in particular, they talked about four distinct seasons, and we came in summer, and it was really good because you know we came from the tropics. And I got here and realised that there is no such thing as four distinct seasons. <laughs> what they meant was, what they didn't say is that you do have four seasons, but it just all happens in the same day. And it doesn't matter what part of the year it was. So that was the biggest difference. Um, what I loved about Tasmania is that it reminded me of my childhood, growing, except for the mountains and all that, because I have no mountains and the temperature. But a lot of the... Because um, I also study linguistics, by the way, which is a... Um, a social historical and cultural study of languages and so when I came here a lot of the language that my nan used was still pop, uh, common here so um, Barbados also had a very tiny convict history and so I was fascinated with the um, similarities the place names and some of the words and things like that so that was my initial fascination with Tasmania um, and the main drive for me here was my church family like it was just amazing i came and instantly became a part of this beautiful church family that's yeah that's awesome and you're um yeah we didn't mention that before but you are based in hobart in tasmania and uh, have you done much travel anywhere else in australia uh um, I've been to Melbourne. I did a course, postgraduate course there, um, distance ed. So I went, I've been to Melbourne. I've been to Sydney and Adelaide for conferences. So most of my travel has been work. And I've been to Queensland for a youth ministry, youth leaders conference. Oh, that sounds So, yeah, <laughs> all of my travel so far in Australia has been work-related or, <laughs> or church. And uh, I know that you have fallen in love with it to the point that you did become an Australian citizen back in uh, 2012, so you must like us a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, um, when I first came, I had I, I told myself I had two options. I could come and because I was only coming for two years, so I could just come and just chill for two years. But then I was worried about losing my faith if I did that because I saw so many people go overseas and then they came back and their faith was a bit shaky. Mm. And so I thought, nah, what I'll do is I'll go and get involved. And the irony was that year I came, the mission story was from the um, Inter-American Division, which is the division I came from. And so the first Sabbath I went to church, the pastor stopped the Sabbath school person and said, oh, look, you don't need to read that story. We actually have someone from there. We can get a live mission story today. And so from the very first Sabbath, I was right in front of the church. And that hasn't stopped. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. In terms of worship, it's, what is, the, is there much of a difference in, in how you worship uh, over in Barbados to here? Um... I guess um, Barbados has more of the African influence to it, so way more lively. Um, remember the first time I went home after being here, That I don't think I realised the difference as much coming here as until when I went back. So I was here for, I think, four years before I went home, and I noticed how loud church was back home. 
because everybody gets in and there's a loud amens and there's lots of clapping and it's quite merry. Um, and so then I came back and church felt boring. <laughs> um, and it's funny, I went home uh, in October and um, it was kind of like a reunion. We did it as a reunion because we all, like the whole group of teens that were there together, they called us the Bonnie Bunch because we were very skinny. Um, and we had the reunion at our old church and it was so wonderful. There was lots of singing and like nice, lively worship. That's, that is the one thing I miss, um, the liveliness of worship. Yeah, yeah. And tell us, um, so who is in your family? I know we've mentioned Chad. He's your son who's now all grown up. Um, but who else is in your family over okay. here? <laughs> okay, so I have my husband, Anthony. Um, my mum's with us at the moment and our beautiful dog, Reese. Yeah, that's that's cool. Now, today, you were really keen when we first talked about you coming on our podcast. You were really keen. You had a story that you wanted to share about um, God and how he has made um, a difference in your life and how you've really got to know that he's He's a personal God. So, um, yeah, I, I'd love you to, to share that story with us. Well, I guess it, it kind of started at the beginning of my journey here, so... Um, I came here and Chad was 13 and it was a bit lonely in the sense that we didn't have family but our church family was amazing like they took us on board and everything and the first really big thing that I remember is one Sabbath um, we lived in Kingston and we go to church in Glenorchy and so it, it was I think it's 35 to 40 minutes drive mm -hmm. um, and we didn't have a car at the time and the f um, family that took us to church they weren't going to Glenorchy that week and so we decided to take the bus except um, being a full-time student money was not flowing a lot and so I had one dollar in cash and I had one ticket left on my 10 tripper but bus fare was 120 and so we both really wanted to go to church and we, we had devotion, Chad and I, and then we knelt down to prayer and we prayed that God would help us to go to church. And while Chad was, um, he put his hand down on the ground beside my bed to get up. And when he did, he said, Mom. And I said, what? And there was 20 cents. And we both got up, got dressed and just went to church that day. Wow. Um, 20 cents. We scoured the whole house, so there was nothing before. We knelt down to pray, and he put his hand on 20, a 20-cent 20 coin. We left for church, and we got to church, and I went and I talked to the... Because um, the youth leader at the time, his son was Chad's best friend, and so I went to his wife, and I said to her, look, we don't have any money. We're not, we were not going to get money until the Sunday. And I said to her, um, we don't have any money. We need and can we just borrow $5 to get home? And she said, oh, that's not a problem. And she gave me the $5 at the beginning of church. And then at lunchtime, she said, oh, come to our house for lunch. And I said, okay. So we went to her house for lunch, which, as usual, turns into dinner. And, and all. afterwards, we played games. And so I didn't get home till about 8 that night. But then um, someone, while we were there, someone came and they had bread and all. And so we got bread. 
so I had bread plus the five dollars plus I had the whole day at church with friends and then when we got home there was um a bag on the door with fruit and veg that someone else had dropped off for us so it was such an amazing day Wow, and that was yeah that that was pretty amazing that was 17 years ago and then 2017 you know it's hard when you're watching people you love go through things and you can't really help and a lot of times it's easy to take it personal Mm. and so one of the things that will never happen is I'll never just let go of God um but I got into my little pity party about why is this happening? This is not fair. It was all about me at the time, of course. <laughs> Nothing to do with the person. <laughs> yeah. Saying to God how unfair it was and why is it happening to me? And, you know, all about me. And I don't know. I was just really upset about it. And I was scared for the person going through what they were going through. And you know they weren't expressing anything and that was frustrating me Mm. (laughs) I was just a mess emotionally and I remember going to church on the Sabbath and sitting I sat on my own I didn't want to be close to anybody and I don't even remember what the sermon was but I remember something the the pastor said and I started to like tear up not on purpose but it wouldn't stop and the tears just kept flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing and I have no idea what was said. And all I remember is that um, someone tapped me on my shoulder and said, you have to go to sing because I was part of the worship team. I wiped my tears and I went and I sang my little heart out. And the tears stopped. And as soon as they stopped and they said amen, the tears started again. And so I just walked out of church and went on the bike track and walked until I stopped crying. And I think we had adventures after so people thought oh it's done because we were meant to be going for lunch and you know when I got back to church there were like five missed calls from people <laughs> ringing because they couldn't find me but at least I wasn't crying anymore and I think that was I don't know I didn't even know where it was I just knew that I wasn't going to let go of God but I just didn't feel connected I didn't feel like he was listening I didn't feel like he cared and then this really strange thing happened so I'm a very, I would say, um, determined and strong-willed person. My dad would say stubborn. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I like to be in control, as in I like to know what's happening. And I think sometimes the things that we have as character strengths gets in the way of God. Yeah. And we, we forget that we are not really in charge. So I like to be in charge, as in have things organized and... All of them are very disorganized person, but on you know, I like to have think that I have things organized and I like to be in control of things and you know, I will keep going. But yeah, feeling very out of sorts and everything and not really sharing with people because I it wasn't I don't know, it wasn't something you could say, Hey Tamika, I'm feeling miserable. Why are you feeling miserable? I don't know. That doesn't really gel well because so I thought I didn't tell anybody. And then one night I was lying in bed and I had this dream. I was drowning. I was in Tassie. The water was freezing. It was raining. It was dark. And I was drowning. And the dream stopped. The next night I had this same dream and it stopped again. The next night I had the same dream and it stopped again. Now on the fourth night, 
the dream started and I started my um, drowning. And then I heard the voice saying to me, that's funny, you've been drowning for three nights. And I thought, oh, okay. Okay, maybe I'm not drowning. And so I stopped thinking that I was drowning and then I started to think, oh, maybe if I lie on my back and float, I wouldn't be so tired. So I did. And over the next three nights, I was still in the water. It was still cold, but it it became day. And so day and night changed in the dream. And also um, the rain stopped sometimes. So it wasn't as horrible. I was still in this really cold water in the middle of nowhere. And But that's the, the thought that came up. I'm in the middle of nowhere, so it's kind of okay, but I'm still in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Then the next three nights, um, the first night of, so this was like night number seven, um, I realized that I could see the shore. And I was like, oh, I'm not in the middle of nowhere. And that was pretty amazing. Then the dream stopped. And then the following night, um, because I knew I was near the shore now, I was treading the water facing the shore sometimes. And this glass box, kind of like a coffin, but it wasn't really a coffin, this box came and God said to me to get in. And I got in and it was fine. And then the dream stopped. And then the next night, you know, same thing, I got in the box. But I started to feel claustrophobic and I'm thinking, I'm not breathing, I'm not breathing. And God said to me, you're not trapped, it's not sealed. I was like, really? And I pushed the door open and all this water came in. And I'm like, oh! And he said, well, it's not sealed, but if you're in it, you'll be fine. But if you open it, the water will come in. I thought, oh. So I closed the door, all the water drained out, but I was still in this thing bobbing, still in the middle of the water bobbing. And so after 12 nights of having this dream, then it gave me peace because I realized that was God's way of talking to me. And you'll probably wonder why he didn't just tell me that the first night, because he knew that it would have taken me 12 nights to be convinced that it was him because there's no other explanation and it it, after that it helped me to realize you know there's an application for this I'm struggling because part of my struggle is because I was only focusing on what was going wrong Mm -hmm. and because I was focusing on what was going wrong I was amplifying it and it was all about me. And I was making it all about me. And I was cold and I was this and I was that. It's but pretty, God pretty showed me. response really, isn't it? Yeah, you know. And then God showed me then, you might be struggling, but if you stop focusing on the struggle and just, just sit and be still, mm. then maybe you can hear me. And I thought, ah, oh. and then if you do that long enough, you will see that I'm actually protecting you and you don't need to be in control because I am. And that's left, that was since 2017, like the middle of the year. And that's left such an impression. Like I have lots of other dreams, but none of them were like this. This was really obviously God for, for the length of time and the fact that it continued. And it was these little snippets of dreams for 12 nights. 
Yeah, it's a long, <laughs> long time. You must have been pretty, uh, what shall we say, stubborn, as your dad would call, <laughs> to have to um, work with you every single night for that long. No, I think that that's a pretty natural response, though, isn't it? That we we do um, we do want to know that we're in control. We often go out of our way and and think we do have things in control, and really, God is the one in control, isn't He? Um, yeah. So, have you have you often come back to that story in your mind uh, for different situations? Oh, all the time. <laughs> but one of the things that um, God just used that situation to me, I think, you know, it's like I think there is a God thread throughout my life. And I was talking to someone the other day, and I remember, um, so I had only one Seventh-day Adventist relative, and that was my uncle. And my nan came back from England when I was nine years old, so I'd go spend the weekends with her and my dad's mum. But I'd have to go to church with my uncle on a Saturday because she had to go to work. And I remember the first Sabbath I went to church with him. I was in the primary class. And at the end, they gave you the memory verse for the following weekend. They said, if you learned it, you get a sticker the next week. And so I was so determined. And I still know that memory verse. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Luke twenty-two forty-two. That's the first memory verse I learned in primary class. But during a lot of times, so during that time with that dream, that verse came back to me. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just about Jesus on the cross. That's God telling me, this is me. Everything that comes in your way, I will not take away. There are going to be times that I leave them. And so now... When things happen, obviously not immediately because the stubbornness is still not not as bad as it was then, but it's still there. When I start to whinge or doubt or grovel, then God reminds me of the dream, dreams, <laughs> and I realize that there is a message there for me, and that is that um, God is in control, and whenever He is sending a situation for me. It is because he wants me to either grow in some area or unlearn something that I had before to become more like him. And like over the last few years, the thing that he's been trying to get is listening to him. And I remember I had this really, to me it seemed insignificant and it didn't make sense at the time, but we had church lunch one day and... I was sitting with some old ladies and I thought, I'll go get seconds. So I think there was a spot on my plate that had no food on it. So I must have had sandwiches or garlic bread or something, but it was a kind of clean spot. As I was walking around the table, the voice in my head said, get some coleslaw. And I'm thinking, but I don't want coleslaw. Anyway, I went up and down the table, come back and it said, get some coleslaw. And I'm like, but I don't want coleslaw. By then I'm t- like verbalizing this. I'm pretty sure anybody watching would wonder who I was talking to because it was just me at the lunch table at the time. A third time I came back, get some coleslaw. I'm like, but I don't want coleslaw. So I just ignored it and sat down. Anyway, I started to eat the garlic bread and whatever else. So I, was, I went and I collected. And one of the ladies got up and went to the table to have seconds as well after I came back. And then she came back and she said, Man, I really wanted some of that coleslaw and that 
that purple dish and now it's gone and I looked at her and I was like that's my fault she's like why did you take it I said no but God kept telling me to take it for you and put it on this spot on my plate that has no food but it didn't make sense so I didn't take it and she laughed but I've had those moments so much so and then of course the dream comes back this is me Donna I'm talking to you it doesn't make sense because I need you to be faithful and listen to me in the little things that you don't think matter Mm. so yeah it's been pretty amazing I I think that those types of instances um, in my own experience I've had those moments too and I think back that they were all my little training grounds you know Mm. that that time where God was prompting you and it did appear to be insignificant, but uh, with time you kind of got it and you thought, yeah, I've really got to listen to that that voice. And it's, I think it's great that God can start off in those little insignificant, what we think are insignificant um, moments because at the end of the day that lady was okay. She still survived without the <laughs> coleslaw. But it was that little training ground for us to be able to hear and um, and learn what God's voice is really like so that, yeah, like you said, when bigger things do come and you do move forward in those promptings, you can, you can really do a lot with God uh, to, yeah, to help share, share God with others and you just never know what way God can use you when you listen to that voice. Yeah. It, it's been pretty amazing, like, the times I have begun to listen and, you know, like, I remember I decided to send cards to everyone. So, I like with my, I teach um, Jets Junior Early Teen Service School. And my goal with them has been in the last two years um, mission is not just jumping on a boat or a plane and going somewhere and helping people you don't know. And so, every quarter we look for a mission a local missionary and so over the years that has been when someone's been sick we've made cards for them um all sorts of things if people are going away we do that um two years ago no three years ago because it was before covid we did christmas cards for all of november and all of december and then we went out to all the houses surrounding the church like i went I went in one Sabbath evening and counted all the houses. And then we went back so we knew exactly how many cards we needed. And each Sabbath, that's all we did after pulling rarities instead of lessons. So we made lots of Christmas cards. And we just handed them out. So we'd make them and just threw them in a tub. So you didn't necessarily hand out the one with your name. We just did it as a class and just chucked them all in a tub. And then we went around and we handed out these cards. And the kids absolutely loved it. You know, there was some rejection because there were a few people who thought we were Jehovah's Witnesses and didn't open the door. and But the kids really loved it. And so we've been doing lots of little mission things. And last year, when we did this one for two quarters. So we I got the church roll because I'm an elder. And I wrote down all the names and addresses of everyone. And each Sabbath in our class, we sent a note. So it had, there was a personal note a Bible verse, and then from the junior early teen class, Glenorchia, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we sent them out to everyone, and the feedback was so amazing because at first the kids were like, oh, but we don't know some of these people. I said, 
okay I said and if you didn't know someone I said what sort of message would make you feel good and so we checked it out and all this one's an elderly person or this one doesn't come to church anymore and we went through the list and so they think okay this person doesn't come to church let's encourage them and some of the feedback we've got from that well initially what happened is when people realized that was happening every sabbath like people were looking like oh i got my car this time and it started to have a buzz in the church because everybody then was expecting theirs and someone had come to me i said we don't have your address i said i did ask for it the other day and they said oh that's why you needed it so they gave it to me and so i got everybody's address in the end and it was pretty amazing but two sabbaths ago so we did this uh 2021 yeah 2021 we did this what i've done this year is as an elder i've just started sending like notes if i know someone's sick i'll just send them a note in the mail and send out some devotions and things like that or people who i know are struggling a bit i'll send them things and two sabbaths ago this gentleman came up to me and he said to me he said, I've come to church today specifically to speak to you. He said, I want to say thank you for all the cards and notes that you sent. They really meant, meant a lot. And he explained to me his health condition and why he wasn't at church. But he said it was, it made him feel really good to know that we're thinking of him and that he was missed. And so he said even though it was a struggle, he came to church on that Sabbath so specifically to say thank you to me. And that was such an amazing feeling to know that something as simple has had such a powerful impact. Yeah, because we do like to feel noticed, don't we? Even, or, you know, and, and when we're missing um, from coming to church, if we're someone that comes regularly, or not even if we, we come regularly, if we're coming to church, and uh, it's it's good to be seen and heard and acknowledged and spoken to and um yeah it's really nice to to be able to receive a card in the mail that's that's even one step further what do you think are ways that we can kind of make sure that we you know keep keep a conversation going between people within our church to just make them feel special and and needed and um encouraged i think one of the things we can do is um make a plan so it might be every sabbath i'm going to go and say go and talk to someone choose a choose a someone anyone and that conversation could be anything from just and let's say you and it may be once a month choose a person once a month so that if you don't see that person then when you see them you can say hey i missed you last sabbath hope you're okay because it meant that you looked and you noticed you know, things like just complimenting people on what they're wearing, actually asking them how their week was, if they share something with you, pray with them, pray for them. And if you do, then next have a follow-up. How's your dog? You said your dog wasn't well. I did pray for him. How, yeah. How's he doing? And so, you know, I like to, and I encourage the kids, my kids to do that as well. And it makes a big difference because people feel more comfortable in coming to you to say, hey, you know, to make a hey, Donna, can this is happening, can you pray for us? Yeah. You know, so I think just genuinely going up to someone with a smile, saying hello, like, you know, purple really looks nice on you or, you know, I yeah. notice you, you look sad today, are you okay? Or I love your smile. Be genuine. There's always something to say to someone. 
Yeah, actually, what I like, what we've um, got at our church at the moment is um, the initiative that our junior group have, uh, you know, put together, which everyone has a secret friend. So for the last couple of months, uh, every week, there's the box that we've got sitting at the front of the church and you come in and everyone's allocated a secret friend. So you come in and you put your little gift in and it can be, you know, just just a little few words or a little gift or something. Uh, and, yeah, you put that in and then at the end of church, everyone comes to the box and they collect their little things. And that's really created a bit of a buzz in our church and I really like that initiative. It's just something fun, something different. No, You know, nobody knows who's giving them their presents. They'll be revealed, you know, later on. But it's also a good opportunity for those who maybe not have known their secret friend that they're buying gifts for very well. And so it's just sparked more conversation within the church and uh, people are, you know, finding out what other people are uh, are interested in, you know, what their hobbies might be. And because no one wants to give away their secret friend, you know, there's other conversations that are happening now that weren't, which were things like, oh, my secret friend, I've got to give a gift, but they might recognise my handwriting. So can you write it for me so that, um, you know, I don't get found out? And then, you know, the next week they'll find someone else. Oh, I'm, I'm doing my secret friend. Can you write this so that they, they don't know my handwriting? So... Uh, it's just been really fun and creative and, yeah, and then it, and it makes people feel special and, and um, some people are coming to church because, um, you know, they want to see if there's anything in the box. Uh, and then, you know, everything else happens. Obviously, we go to church to worship God, um, you know, and and we love God um, and... You know, the the sermons um, are really important. The prayer is really important. But sometimes people just need that little boost to know that they're, they're loved and accepted and appreciated just to keep them coming to church sometimes. Uh, yeah. And as a question then, because we are talking about serving a personal God, have you got any other, you know, uh, thoughts or stories that um, come to mind with, with how you know that there there is a God that is personal with us, that wants a relationship with us, and um, you know, because some people don't f- don't feel that He is a personal God. Uh, yeah. So I think the first. So I talked to you about the first one, but the next major thing that happened in my life that really changed um, my relationship with God was, I think, like 18 months after that first one. And one of those other pity parties, <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> Another God, pity party. <laughs> that was the original pity party. Yeah, so God <laughs> God finds me in my pity parties. But this one was really bad because I remember I didn't want to go to church because I don't want to be happy because people, you know. And yes, that's why I stayed at home because I didn't want to be happy. I know, for a very stupid <laughs> reason. But anyway, I did. I was just feeling miserable and I didn't want to feel better, so I stayed. We've all been there, Donna. We've all been there. And but it, you know I sat on my bed and I was doing my lesson study and I don't remember what, did, but whatever it was I started crying and yelling and screaming at God, so like full on tantrum I was screaming at the top of my lungs, standing on my bed, having a full on tantrum at God, like screaming and screaming, 
heaven knows if my neighbors like wondered what was happening and I was crying and screaming until my tears dried up and my eyes were swollen and my throat was all raw and I just collapsed on the bed and then I could feel as though God was giving me a hug and saying that's okay Donna he said for the first time in your life you've been honest with me and I stopped and I was like what and he's like I don't want the dear heavenly father prayers I want the honest prayers I can help you now because you've given it all to me and I stopped and I was like and you know again it wasn't something that was easily shared how do you tell your friends oh, I had a big tantrum with God and <laughs> he spoke to me you don't say that because it slightly embarrassing <laughs> but it was that was a turning point that was 2007 so 10 years before this other one um where god showed me i need you to be honest you can yell and scream if you don't give it to me i can't help you don't give me the little fluffy prayers and so over the years i have and so I remember once I was coming home from work and it was it was a really hard day at work and you know like sometimes I have people that come across and it's just really rough listening to their story and wondering you know like it, there are things where I feel like I can't do anything to help and that was a pretty deflating I was driving home and it was winter and I was like God can you just send some snow because I just want and so I was driving up the southern outlet and it started fluttering for five minutes. Now, I don't know if anybody else got snow, but I got snow <laughs> for five minutes. I was really excited. And I got home and said, thank you, Father. You know, and another time I was driving, and I'm obsessed with rainbows. And again, feeling really miserable and all sorts. And this massive rainbow just appeared in the sky. And it stayed there for the rest of my journey to work. And I'm like... I don't care who else saw that or how you're going to explain what, you know. And those little things happen, like, I'd be feeling really miserable or something, and I'll tell God, and then I won't tell anybody else, but just, like, you know, my husband would ring me and do, said, guess what, something, I have a surprise for you or something, or some something else would happen, just, you know, supposedly randomly. But it's after I've poured my heart out to God about how something I feel yeah you know and it's it's it happens so often and i think that you know god's god's not a santa claus he doesn't grant wishes and he's not a genie you can't rub him and get what you want but god gives what we need at the time we need and it may not necessarily be what we think we need and so you know like at those times the snow at that time like it was just it literally was five minutes i prayed oh you know i was like oh god can you please let it snow like i've had a horrible day that would make my day and it snowed for five minutes and then it stopped you know and i don't know if like i said i don't know if it only snowed on my car but (laughs) it snowed for five minutes i saw it and and i went home feeling good and there are little things like that that i can't explain to other people but i know you know i'm feeling miserable i tell god i'm feeling miserable and something happens yeah and he knows like you said he knows exactly what we need when we when we need it and I think when we really are coming to him and we're we're speaking to him on a regular basis you have you build that relationship and you begin to ask God for the things that are you know you that are, are things that 
you know, you're you sort of align with one another a little bit, and and there's that real relationship that you have, and so you know, you're not asking for elaborate, crazy things. It's sort of a, you, you end up coming to God in that humility, and um, you know, and that that relationship just flourishes and, and grows, and so yeah, I I love that too. And God, like you said, God cares about those little things and he does want us to come to him when we're feeling vulnerable or when we're feeling you know off and uh you know I would if anyone you know would come to me and and ask me what should I do in this situation or that situation um yeah my my first thing always is have you talked to God about it have you spent time listening for it? Because I think a lot of these things do happen. We have these little miracles, I think, that happen to all of us all the time when we're talking to, to God, even when we're not and he just knows what we need. Um, and sometimes we're not taking the time to see that um, or we do put it down to coincidence or, um, you know, we, we just don't see those little miracles. So I'm really glad I found someone that that sees those things. <laughs> You know, uh, and it's not always easy to talk about either, even when we're acknowledging them. Um, you know, I've talked to some people about coming on this podcast um, where they share stories about their personal relationship with God. But the idea of being able to speak it out loud is really difficult for them because they, they say, oh, I'm not sure if other people will agree with me or I'm not really sure if that's exactly right or I'm not sure if it's from God. So, you know, I love it, Donna, that you've come on today because... Um, you know, you've been brave enough to share that God does work in our lives and that he is a personal God, that he does love us and he does hear us. He gives us exactly what we, we need when, when we need it. And, um, you know, it's been fun. I like, I love talking with you. We're going to wrap up our program now. But, um, yeah, I'm sure, Donna, at another time we'll have you back. It's been great to have you today. And, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Well, I hope that everyone enjoys their uh, Christmas. It's only a few days away um, now. And um, remember that this was a significant time of year that Jesus was born and um, how, much, how much we needed that to have happen for us. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's program, feel free to share it with your friends and family. For more stories or to keep up to date with our events and community, you can also visit our website at hisherd.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Pinterest. Have a joyful day.